You're listening to the AR-15 Podcast on the Firearms Radio Network. Welcome to the AR-15 Podcast. AR-15 Podcast. This is the podcast about your favorite black rifle. This show is for you. If you're building your first AR or you've been building ARs for years, there is something we can all do to take our black rifle to the next level. Well, hello, everybody. It's been a while since we've uh, had an episode, but we're up to episode number 170 of the AR-15 podcast. And in tonight's episode, we are here to give away a 9mm carbine from Frontier Armory and with a custom Cerakote job from the guys over at RTT. So, uh, David, Robert, uh, why don't you introduce yourselves to everybody so they can uh, hear the voices of the guys behind this giveaway tonight dave again from new frontier armory in north las vegas nevada um pleased to be able to bring you guys this rifle and look forward to uh announcing the winner robert hey guys robert hunter rtc firearms lake Havasu city arizona super pumped for the opportunity to do a uh, seracote job on this thing i hope the uh the winner really appreciates all the time that was put into it it is definitely a one-of-a-kind piece and we appreciate the guys for the opportunity and the opportunity to come on the show tonight. Well, I have to tell you both that we really appreciate everything that you've done. Uh, we really appreciate the fact that uh, that you have uh, come to the table and provided such an amazing opportunity for one of the listeners. Listeners, we hope that you are truly appreciative. We would like you to reach out to the guys um, and you know, give them a thanks. Uh, get on their social media pages. Uh, share with your friends. Just uh, give them a hearty thank you for you know really uh, helping out and and being so kind and generous and generous with their time and their efforts. Um, JD, uh, do we have anything going on in the the network this week or anything that's going on with us? Um, you know what? We're uh, getting ready to do another giveaway. We want to say a shout out to Otis Technology for uh, stepping up and partnering again with the AR-15 podcast. I was also uh, listening to uh, This Week in Guns, and they have been uh, giving us some props on the uh, 9mm carbine giveaway from New Frontier Armory. Also heard, um, we'll be able to sneak this in. I'm pretty sure Robert won't mind, uh, about uh, Hillary for prison lowers. I heard that on the latest edition of uh, This Week in Guns uh, that uh, they had seen them floating around the Internet or pictures around that. I think I know somebody who's responsible for that. And uh, uh, just that's kind of what's going on with FRN. And, uh, man, Robert, tell us about – got to tell us about the Trump and Hillary lowers before we get into the, the 9 millimeter giveaway and all the details on that. Man, we, uh, we had some ideas of doing this for a while and we had basically a customer inquire about it and it just justified the reasoning for doing it. Um, I want to make something that I couldn't sell. So, uh, we decided to do the Hillary one. We decided to do the Trump one. I got a, you know, a patriotic American flag, Trump gun we're doing. So, um, it, it was a cool idea. I had an idea for the, the Hillary one for the, Instead of fire, I was going to put killery, but I thought that was too much, and I didn't want the cease and desist letter coming to me, even though I'd gladly take one and frame it. But uh, So we didn't go that far. It still says safe and fire on it, but it's just a theme to lower like we've been doing a few of them. <laughs> that it is is pretty, awesome. It's pretty cool. 
um, we've got that posted up at the uh, AR15 podcast page on Facebook, uh, facebook.com backslash AR15 podcast. Robert, why don't you tell us a little bit about what went into the Cerakote job and uh, what you decided to choose uh, for the rifle giveaway? So when we first were approached about doing it, we were just thinking single color, something simple, traditional, upper, lower rail. And then we got all the parts in front of us and had it all laid out. I'm like, man, Dave, I really can't just do a single color deal. I have to like go over and above on this. So he's like, okay, maybe some cryptic or something. And I was like, yeah, dude, we could totally do that. It's simple. Um, and then I started looking at all the little pieces and I was like, man, we just got to go all out. We have an opportunity here. We might as well take advantage of it. So literally everything is coded, like the trigger to all the takedown pins, all the bolts, everything is, uh, Either single color, majority of it is cryptic. So um, the base coat was a single color um, of all those parts, and then we got into doing um, the layout of the cryptic on it. And uh, I'm not kidding you. This thing has at least two days with two of us on it, uh, one guy doing the cryptic layout. Um, when we painted all the cryptic, it took us four guys two hours just to pull the stencils off of all the little parts. Wow. Um, so there was, I mean, the, the crush washer's done, the flash hider's done, um, the trigger guard inside and out, the magazine. Sorry, I'm, I'm no fan of white, but I've tried. <laughs> Dude, that was good, man. I like you can't, it. You can't show it. You can't show it as good as it really is in person. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's like a, it's a four-color paint scheme. It's hidden colors. I didn't go too gaudy and bright with it. I still made it a usable kind of tactical, you know, themed you know outdoor color so so when you when you put together um kind of that that concept do you have to like i don't know i'm i'm no i'm not like my wife i mean but do you have to like put together a color palette and and figure out what stacks on top of each other or is this just something you know you like you dial up the base and oh it goes with this color and that color and the other (laughs) color or how much art is there yes You pretty much have to think of the whole paint job backwards. So when you're thinking about your color layout, obviously your your base coat's not going to show that heavy when you put all the other colors on top of it. So I literally just laid out a piece of paper and started swabbing colors that I thought would be cool. We kind of laid out and mixed a couple colors uh, from scratch to make it work uh, to what I wanted for the, the softer uh, cryptic design. So, yeah, I mean, I, I like to say that I have it all laid out in my head, but, you know, you have to think about it because it's, it's reversing the whole paint job, basically. Because the last color you do is going to be the most prevalent, so you have to think about the other colors that are going to blend well with it. So, David, when you send the parts over, they have their anodizing or their coating, whatever the traditional finishes on the components, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the parts we made in-house, we send over raw just to make it a little easier okay, on poor okay. Robert. But, uh, yeah, all the other stuff has to be blasted and some work done to it for sure. And so at that point, when you're putting that new code on there, I understand Cerakote is pretty intensively fixed to the surface. So it wouldn't come off with any industrial solvents, um, and it wears pretty well. But but does it come off? Is it going to wear around the high-action parts and the, the you know, the bolt carrier groups, you know, any, any of the components that are going to get a lot of friction and, and, and impact, are they going to wear some of that coating off over time? So the product is a ceramic paint. So for people who don't know about it, it's a, it's a pretty much a paint and a hardener that creates a ceramic paint to it. So the prep is very important with this product, more important than probably anything 
automotive or anything you could ever think of because most gun parts, even though um, they're not assembled, will have coolants and different things like that in the metal where you got to heat it up and get that stuff to surface and then remove it with, you know, soaking it in a cleaner and then repeat the process till it's prepped. So um, as far as other coatings that are out there, um, you know, there's there's things like melanide or nitrocarburization that are, are very durable, but they don't offer you the color options. So right. um, Cerakote on their website has a, has a, uh, a video, a couple of them actually, of showing how tough the stuff is to, to rust and to stuff. Just like anything, anything can get scratched. But as far as for doing a, a finish to uh, any type of metal, Cerakote is by far the chosen product of not only us as a manufacturer, but everybody in the industry. I mean, if you're not coloring your guns with a Cerakote product, you're definitely falling off the train and using a subpar quality part, you know, product. Cerakote is by far the most durable because it is cooked onto the part where a lot of the stuff air dries. Whenever you cook something at 300 degrees for an hour to final cure it, it's tough stuff. So in terms of a user DIY product, would you say that Cerakote really doesn't fall into that realm because of the, I guess, the attention, the detail that goes into its application and, and proper prep work? Yeah, you know, it's one of those deals that um, an average guy can do it, but for the most part, unless you go up and get factory trained by them, you're probably not doing the prep right to it. I mean, anybody can mix the product up and apply it and spray it on and cook it, but it's all the prep that's involved with it and making sure that you're putting the right amount of hardener in it so it's not too glossy or not too satin, making sure your temperatures are correct so you're not overly getting it hot, which discolors it, or you know, holding it not at a high enough temperature where the ceramic doesn't kick so, kick so it's not as durable as it could be. So um, the biggest thing is, yeah, anybody can do it as long as you're following it step by step. The directions are kind of vague they give you. So um, it's a big deal to be certified and actually do it the proper way. And obviously there's cost because of it. We're not the cheapest in the industry, but we're not the most expensive, but you get what you pay for. And you don't have angry wives when they <laughs> find their oven full of gun parts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have big, we have big ovens purposely made for it. But yeah, I've seen guys locally baking them in their wife's oven and parts. I'm like, man, that's got to make your house weak because this stuff is fumey, man. It burns your eyes. It is. It is not the best stuff to spray and have it come into your eyes in the booth. You know, it's one of those deals where you want to wear all your protection and, and not get it exposed to your skin too much because it, it, it's definitely not good for you, but, uh, it's great for firearm parts. <laughs> well, so when you're, when you're seracoding a, a, a rifle, do you have to pay any attention or close attention to, you know, kind of the, the fit to, uh, tight tolerances, uh, or is it a forgiving, product in that regard yeah when you're using raw parts um obviously you know there's nothing in the holes or anything like that existing so you could pretty much put it on and they want you at like a one mil thick thickness on the paint so you want to lay it pretty heavy um and then there's evaporation of uh the thinners and stuff that are in the product so even though say you put it on at one and a half mil thickness by the time you cook it it's probably at one mil thickness after everything evaporates out of it um, all the solvents and such. But when you grab something like a, a, a 1911, I just did one for, um, for force options down in Phoenix. Um, we, we made sure that we fitted everything beforehand. When we sandblasted, we got all in the holes, all the pockets, all the grooves of the slide, everything. Cause 1911s are traditionally very tight guns. So the prep on that needs to be thought out a little bit so that when you do apply, you don't apply too heavy in those areas where you're going to have a lap in a slide or something like that to make it fit. So in terms of this build, 
any unique challenges that presented themselves or was it all just a, another day in, in the shop? It, you know, it was and it wasn't. You know, we looked at a couple parts that we didn't want to do because of tolerances and stuff. Um, but at the end of it, I just couldn't leave a bolt or the sliding part for the side charger not done and left it black. It stood out. So uh, the only thing I didn't do was the carrier uh, inside, inside the gun. And the reason why is it was kind of a, uh, not a traditional BCG that was really easy to take apart and reassembly. So we left that just the factory coating and oiled it up. But that is the only part on this whole weapon. Um, that isn't done um, on the inside and out. So it's it's we did as much as we could on it, but yeah, it was uh, quite a project. And you don't have many customers that actually want to spend the money. And I know Dave's got his money into it, but I I, I rivaled that the paint job cost as much as all the parts on the gun at retail retail. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say I agree. I agree with that to be honest. Man. Well, we're going to, um, here in a couple of weeks, we're going to have Robert back and we're going to sit down for a full Cerakote show and, uh, discuss everything with him. So if you have questions that you would like to ask, um, please shoot us an email at AR15 podcast. What's it's AR15 podcast at gmail.com.podcast. See what's, yeah. it happens when you're rusty a little bit. Yeah, AR15. Yeah dot podcast at gmail.com. You can send us your comments there. Also a message on Facebook. So, um, David, with this giveaway, um, there is going to be about 1200 disappointed people. Um, and we're going to we do our them, best. We're going to give them your email address so that you can sell them on their very I was own. Say, that's 1200 people that if they wanted it that bad, maybe they could be buying one next week. So. <laughs> And they could possibly get all the parts through New Frontier Armory, right? Absolutely. Hey, so, uh, uh, if you want, David, why don't you tell us what went into the rifle in terms of the parts? So I so, know we've gotten the rundown. It's been a while, but you know, we want everybody to understand what they lost tonight. <laughs> uh, so we started off with our billet C9 lower. Uh, we did some custom engraving on it with you guys' logo, uh, custom serial number for the giveaway, and some other stuff. Uh, B5 systems grip and mil spec stock body. Um, we used our side charging C9 upper, uh, non reciprocating side charger. Kind of cool, neat new product. Very popular right now. And uh, one of our 15 inch key mod rails and 16 inch barrel. So, what are we using for a uh, fire control group? This standard LPK in there that we make. Uh, we sell one just for the C9 lowers. Uh, basically, Instead of forcing people to buy all the parts that they don't need that we already provide with the lower, we, we dumped it down a little bit. You could save a handful of dollars or so to not have an extra trigger guard and mag catch sitting around for no reason. <laughs> that's so, always, I have a whole box full of those darn things. Constantly. Yeah, constantly. Four, and a, four and a half pound trigger. We measured it out, polished it. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. You got to like that. So what kind of mags is this rifle going to take? Uh, any Glock magazines. So the new ETS stuff, we actually have their, uh, you know, have you seen those, the clear yeah, ETS yeah. Glock mags? Um, we just actually just got a pallet of them in in a couple different varieties uh, yesterday. So we haven't even got a chance to put those up on the site yet, but those will go up on the site, and they're already out in the store. Um, Magpul Glock magazines or Glock factory magazines. Um, all the Korean stuff works. They might fit a little tight or a little loose depending on, what time it was there and what day it was and you know, what, how the boat swam over. But Whose um, children were in the factory that morning? Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, all the other stuff, the, the Magpul 
I recommend the Magpul mags and the ETS mags are my favorite. And then uh, obviously Glock factory mags work well. So uh, in terms of your um, muzzle device, are we talking a pretty standard birdcage or uh, is there anything fancy here? Yeah, we just use a standard. I, I'm all for, like, like I said, when, when I came on and talked about this a little bit more is I, we try not to go too crazy into stuff and, and overthink stuff that doesn't need to. Um, I don't like people having to overspend on stuff that, that they don't need to. Um, it's this nine mil blowback system. It's kind of a dream to shoot. It doesn't need a whole lot of gadgets and gizmos. Um, uh, so yeah, standard A2 flash hider. Um, obviously cut for nine mil instead of five by six. Right. A little bigger hole in the end. Um, other than that, no, like there, there's tons of stuff on here that's customizable, but I think it's a pretty good package to jump in. Um, really good rifle ready to, ready to take to the range. You know what the biggest travesty is, Reed? Uh, no. I can't win it. I can't win it. So I had to wait in line like everybody else. And Ivan just shot me an email a couple days ago and let me know that my lower is in for it. I still got to wait a little bit for my upper, but, uh, I got to wait yeah. in line like everybody else. Hey, it's just a short walk to the shoot room across the street in the warehouse. You can at least come shoot. You got three days to come and shoot it. So <laughs> that may happen. <laughs> we know. I, I think at the very least you, you owe it to the, the, the prospective winner to be able to attest to the rifles, solid construction and outstanding Cerakote job. Looks like I'm going somewhere after work tomorrow. There you go. <laughs> well, so have you both fired the, the, the rifle, David Robert? Have you both got a chance to get out there and get some trigger time on it? Yeah, we, awesome. did a few rounds. we did a video, a little promo video for you guys. I don't know if it went, it went crazy or not, but people liked it. And it, those nine millimeters are awesome to shoot. So what, what, are, totally what are your impressions? Cool I, I want you guys to tell me, you know, what, what do you feel about the 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 rifle and its nine millimeter uh, platform? And and I want to preface this by saying that you know uh, JD and I were talking about some of the other nine millimeter uh, offerings that um, uh, were recently announced at the NRA show at an extremely exorbitant price that apparently cannot be SBR'd, which is Totally ridiculous. I don't understand who the hell in marketing was thinking about that idea. But, you know, JD asked me, would I be disappointed if I got uh, a carbine uh, in nine millimeter instead of one of these, you know, German nine millimeter, you know, semi autos? And I'm thinking that going with an AR and a nine millimeter uh, platform is, is the next best thing to, you know, Slice bread. I have. I got out of all the machine guns and stuff we have, and different R and D builds. MP5 SD is probably one of my favorite guns. I'll, I'll give him that. But uh, like I say, when it comes to the pocketbook, a good old American AR15 or AR9 in this case um, does the same job. Uh, I think they're super useful. Like I said, we built this to make sure that we can give it away in 50 states or whatever. So we want 16 inch barrel. We obviously didn't complicate things with an SBR or anything. But um, I've built. Uh, we've built a lot of these, tens of thousands of these in all different configurations. And, um, my favorite so far is the eight inch and eight inch barrel. I think the four inch is a little bit too short for me. I don't, I don't like having the muzzle that close to the end of my hand. Um, four inch, if you're going to throw a can on it, you know, throw a four inch to the can and a seven inch rail or something, um, is, is a really nice build if you're going to put a suppressor on it. But uh, for me, just to do a regular old SBR to just shoot uh, unsuppressed, 
eight inch barrel was the way to go with the, with the side charger. And it's just a, a really smooth little compact SBR for sure. So Robert, what were your thoughts? I totally agree. I mean, I have a tough time putting a long barrel on something that the, the round wasn't designed for, but uh, we went to the range with uh, one of the ones we built before this, this build. And uh, man, we set up with just a red dot and we were hitting good groups at like a hundred, hundred yards out. So then I was like, man, this thing is actually that something that you can go to the range and plink pretty accurately for pretty cheap because nine mil is not that much money to shoot these days. Yeah. But we did one build with the eight inch barrel and I was pretty impressed with that. We did one of those blades on it, um, for, for the forearm stabilization and, and it was good. So either way, I'm happy with it. Stabilizing brace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not stabilizing my shoulder. What did right? you use yeah. to strap it to your arm? I noticed none of them come with straps. Yeah, just just American forearms, bro. Just just swollen up against it, and I held it in place. It was good, dude. It was good. But yeah, no, I I don't know, man. In the 16 inch, I've sold a few of them in the shop, and people kept them for home defense, you know. And I was that's not a bad idea because of all the ammo, um, different options, with hydroshocks and and different uh home production ammo. So either way, it's a good build. But yeah, you can take it to the range and target shoot it. So that is a cool feature. Now is is this show and tell, David? Yeah, there's the blade. <laughs> you can tell it, it's this hasn't come out of the office since Shot Show. I've been lazy with it, but this is my little this is my pistol, my AR pistol with the shockwave brace. Ah, that's nice. Now I have to tell you, you know, I have a I have a rifle carbine in three fifty seven sig, and I'm not gonna berate you guys for not uh, figuring out how to get a three fifty seven sig barrel that's you know. Eight to ten inches long, so we'll just leave that aside for a discussion some other day. But I found a muzzle device, which is essentially a three lug mount threaded on to the end of that barrel, and I've got an octane and um, form four gel with the uh, three lug mount just waiting to get mounted onto that thing. Nice. But that was one of the few setups I could readily find that was easily adaptable to the the nine millimeter uh caliber round um a lot of it uh, a lot of it was the the threads we had to and we still get it um we dummy proofed it on purpose we stuck with cold standard half 36 on most of our stuff and uh even when we go to the 40 and 45 stuff we kind of it, it was a uh, you have to piss some people off and make some people happy and you have to pick i can't offer them all and all different stuff there's right. tons of adapters out there um, we did it so that people aren't grabbing a flash hider off their workbench and, and screwing it on, which they still do. <laughs> it takes a pipe wrench now right. because the threads aren't right. And then a, a really nasty email to my service department saying, your barrel is a POS. Oh, my God. It, 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 look at the threads on this thing. It won't even take my flash hider. I had to use a pipe wrench. Well, yeah, because you're using a 5.56 flash hider. So luckily you destroyed the barrel instead of you. Yeah, you before know. you – Pushed a what a point so, three five yeah, we, seven we projectile through your point two three. Tried to make it dummy proof, but dummies surprise me daily. So <laughs> that gives me an idea for a show. Read. We should we should have David on and just call Actually, it customer emails. <laughs> I'll tell you what. There's four or five companies that have been posting some funny stuff online, um, and you know they blur everything out, but. We have some that we, we have a wall in the back, actually, if you're ever bored, that we, we post a lot of stuff up on because there's, there's some definite winners out there. But, yeah, we can do funniest tech support moments. <laughs> I tell you, that would be a good show. 
<laughs> I think we're we're going to have JD put that up there. You guys can come back on and you know, give us your perspectives. Maybe we'll we'll have you come on and we'll use special effects and modify your voices and blur out your faces so you can just go yeah. to town. It'll be all anonymous and everything. Yeah, it'll, oh. be a, it'll be a cool roundtable show. I got a few other guys I think would, would love something like that. Well, That'd I think awesome. absolutely. And you know what? I think it's funny because we all are capable of those really big Homer Simpson moments. <laughs> None of us want to admit it, but I think all of us would raise our hands if nobody was I, watching and say, yeah, I've done something really stupid. We walk people like I've honestly I've had guys sit on the phone with somebody for 45 minutes while they put a lower together. Like we'll walk you through anything. We're super nice. He probably didn't buy half the stuff from us, but we're super, super nice about it. I'd rather have somebody call and ask questions yeah. than screw a bunch of stuff up and they get angry at us like it's my fault because you didn't know what you were doing before you you're building you're building, like I say, you're building a contraption that's holding an explosion in your hand right by your face. Yeah. Like, take your time and, and read a little bit, understand what you're doing, understand how it works, and, and a lot of it would make more sense. Um, and that, that's my moral. I don't ever try to put people down until they get to the point where now you're screaming at my girls in the office or you're sending me nasty emails swearing at me because you did something stupid. Um, at that point, it's free game. And, and I still I, – I don't <laughs> – I don't destroy them. I use them as a teaching tool to the others saying, hey, before you start yelling at me because you might be misunderstanding something, why don't you do a little research? Make sure you know what you're talking about. Make sure you know what's going on first, and maybe something will click, and it will all work out for you, you know? Well, so, you know, in terms of the carving here, are you guys sad to see it go? You think I want to add it to Mike. I'll tell you what. I told Robert he earned a few paint jobs for me for sure. Um I'd like to keep it here, yeah. So if they if they don't claim it, it's fine. I'll let you know that I shipped it to him. He, he already contacted me directly, the guy that won, and he told me, "Don't worry, and he'll come in and get it one of these days. Just hold on to it until then." So no need to keep contacting him and bugging him about it. He said, "Just leave him alone." And, well, any, yeah, any it came chance? Out, it came out really nice. We're super happy with it. Any chance you're going to start up a, a custom line of uh, ARs because of this? Anything that kind of follows through on that, uh, the, the impetus of what you guys put together? Yeah, if they want to, if they want to, we could build all kinds of stuff. Robert and I have some plans. We're, we're, I'm struggling with some energy issues with my power company, but, uh, once I can get through that and get some, get some machines rolling and get some extra parts off, uh, that aren't set aside for purchase orders. Now wait a minute. Going to Robert to get some work done. So. Didn't they build a whole dam so you guys would have all the power you needed? <laughs> Getting them to hook it up is a whole other story. Well, I thought that was just making sure the right union boss knew that you needed some help. Trust me, I've pulled more strings and offered more free rifles out the past couple of weeks trying to get this done. <laughs> but no, yeah, once once uh, we get some production numbers up and get this power upgrade done, um, Robert's going to have a couple pallets of parts show up at his door and do some Cerakote work on and we're going to start offering some different, different colored sets and different options and patterns. Well, I tell you what, it was a, it was a match made in heaven. You guys did an outstanding job. Everything we've seen has just been top tier, great quality. And, you know, once again, we're really appreciative of all that you had put into this rifle because, uh, there's going to be one happy guy when he gets the chance to take that home or after he comes and visits your shop, David, and picks it up, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I'll hold it for him while it's safe. I'll probably take it home so none of the guys, like, I don't want JD in here 
getting his fingerprints all over it. So I'll probably just take it to the house. Nice. <laughs> well, I tell you what, guys, we're kind of getting to the magic moment. I'm sure that there's a bunch of really irritated listeners out there now saying, hey, guys, just finally, would you get to it? But uh, before we do, do you guys have any, any I don't know, last-minute offerings, anything to, to, to part with before we uh, kind of get to the point of uh, really making it a reality that none of us ever gets to see this again? Let's do it. Excited for the winter. Robert, anything? Yeah, no, super super pumped, ready to get. I want to hear who wins it. I know a lot of locals in Havasu signed up for this thing. So whoever it is, man, they're going to be pumped. Their buddies are going to be jealous. So I'll have to call Dave and, and order another one. And we'll duplicate it the best we can. Absolutely. I think, right. we need the, uh, I think we need the winner to take a picture for all, all three of our organizations to show how excited he or she is when he gets it. Absolutely. Absolutely. We can make that happen. All right, J.D., since I am not a musician, I'm not even going to pretend to do a drum roll. <laughs> All right. The winner of the New Frontier Armory with the RTT Cryptech Cerakote job is Ryan Hamilton. Ryan hey. lives in Kent, Ohio. they listening Ohio. to the show for, awesome. yeah. show for about a year. So, uh, Ryan, you need to reach out. Uh, you can uh, shoot us an email. And, uh, there'll be several. We'll have to talk to you on the phone and everything. Uh, we'd read it, reach out to you, but we're going to make sure you're listening. So you have 72 hours from when this is posted on iTunes to contact us and claim your rifle, or I'm going to put my fingerprints all over it until we give it away to the next person in line. So, uh, Ryan Hamilton from Kent, Ohio. Uh, you're the lucky guy. Uh, the, uh, lottery machine picked you. So, uh, be getting in contact with us and, uh, can't believe it's over. Over, uh, 1200 legitimate entries. There was about 800 entries where people decided to get cute or, uh, entered multiple times or just some of them are just saying F off. And I, I don't understand why you would do that when we're trying to come together and give you a rifle, but How you know, dare you give away a free rifle. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably the fill the burn people, but, um, <laughs> Well, you know, pretty excited. Isn't uh, isn't Kent State a university town? Uh, I, yes. I hope this isn't a kid that just went on his uh, uh, summer world tour European backpacking trip and he's going to miss out on a rifle. That would really, really suck. <laughs> well, we're going to give him a little bit of a heads up. We'll give him a, a shout out on social media. But then once, once this is posted, probably sometime in the next 48 hours, that clock's going to start. And, uh, and Ryan, or if you know Ryan, um, if you know Ryan, like get something out of it. Say, I got something to tell you, <laughs> but you really need to hook me up with something. You owe me a Take steak me out dinner. dinner. Yes. Something. So, uh, Ryan Hamilton from Kent, Ohio. We're, uh, waiting to hear from you. Well, gentlemen, we have some feedback tonight, and you know, we appreciate all perspectives. So if you want to stick around and uh, walk through these uh, with us, uh, we would appreciate it. But uh, by all means, we understand that you have real lives, and JD and I are really kind of pathetic, and we don't. So uh, <laughs> we're happy to let you go and uh, get on with the rest of your evenings, but uh, you, you you guys make the call. I'm here now. Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here, man. I'm good. I ain't doing nothing. Kids are asleep. All right. 
Well, we got an email from D.W. Taylor. He writes in a few months back, I had asked about your thoughts on the 6.5 Grindel. I'd listened to past episodes that had touched on it, but episode 162 went into great details on the topic. Thanks for the very informative episode. It looks like this will be my next build. So he says, just to let you know, it isn't cheap to listen to your show since listening Amen. to the various topics. I've now milled seven 80% lowers, built an AR-15 chambered for the 7.62 by 39, built an AK-47, bought a night vision scope, and made sure all of my build builds have iron sights. And now you guys keep talking about an AR-15 in 9mm. So should I stop listening or just buy another gun safe? I'd say buy another gun safe. I mean, that's really the I agree. best route. Yeah, I agree. So, um, the, uh, the episode he's talking about, we, we, we talked about the 6.5 Grendel. Do you, either of you dabble in the more exotic calibers for any of the, uh, rifles you put together? Or do you kind of stick to the, the straight and narrow when it comes to the, the stuff that goes through your shops? They, they all have different purposes. I actually have, I have a 6.5 now, and I have another 6.5 that uh, I'm getting ready to build. I was building it in anticipation of antelope season, and then I didn't get a tag, so now I can sit on the workbench even longer. <laughs> but uh, I'll get that built this year. I just got another 204 upper. Like there, there's a uh, this gun, this platform just has so many uses. I think that depending on what you want to do with it, and you can you can tailor it as much or as little as you want and get the jobs done. So. I'm a fan of, of tailoring different guns. I, I know a lot of guys that put the same rifle together over and over and over. I know guys that hoard AR-15 lowers. Oh, don't come even, on. Don't even build them. But, uh, no, I think if you're going to put the same 5.56 rifle over and over and over, you're going to spend the money on the rifle, then start making some different stuff, have different, you know, different purposes for different stuff. So, so do you carry all those components in your store? Most of them, yeah, we do. Sometimes we special order barrels and bolts for some of the calibers. Uh, everything kind of goes through its phases. We did uh, six millimeter and six five about four or five years ago. We sold them by the hundred a month, complete uppers in both of those calibers, and then they kind of faded away. And then the six five came back pretty strong. So uh, we're we're getting back into some of that stuff right now. Yeah, you know, um, three hundred three hundred blackouts been really big lately. Um, 204s around here is pretty good with the coyote calling and stuff like that. So there's a, there's a lot of good options out there. I'm looking to put together a, uh, 243 on a 308, uh, base, but, uh, I, I haven't sourced a, a barrel yet. Any ideas? Lots of money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We can get you some of those barrels. Yeah. The, uh, in the, in the AR 15, like I said, there's so many different calibers you can do. Um, the 6.5, I built a few of them and targeted with them. They're super accurate. The thing flies super flat, uh, for long distance. So I definitely like that round. But the availability is tough on it. Um, I found that the 6.8 SBC, um, has a little bit bigger projectile, does a little bit more knockdown. So I've actually gone like elk hunting with one before and, and felt very confident that I was going to do this job. Um, and it's a little more available. I think like Walmart even carries that ammo once in a while. So, right. um, six, eight, six, five are all good. We do the AK uppers. We'll do anything, but, uh, the six, five or six, eight seem like that's more of a, uh, the, the hybrid round that's in between a five, five, six and a three oh eight. It's right in the middle. It's a little cheaper to shoot. So that's why it's more appealing to guys, I think. Well, you know, my, my go-to high power round is a seven millimeter Magnum and I haven't found an AR chambered in it yet so i'm still using my remington 
Not yet. You'll see the the Magnum stuff and the AR-10s. Um, you're going to see it start dropping in prices. Actually, there's somebody in Havasu that, that cut it in half, and then I know a guy in Vegas that will probably cut that price in half. And uh, before long, there'll be some affordable Super Magnum stuff out. In the oh, that would be box. nice. I Two years ago, it was, uh, I guess it was the second SHOT Show I went to, um, went out to uh, – no, it was the first. Went out to uh, um, the day at the range, the media day at the range, and got a chance to sit on a – oh, geez. Nemo? No, it was the one that was competing with them. But um, we were out to three, what was it, 924 yards is where their steel was. Yeah. And and that's yeah. just an amazing feeling. I'd love to be able to take a 7mm uh, out to that in a custom-built um, AR kind of platform. It's getting there. Um, you'll see the focus shift a little bit. I think what it takes is these downturns in the industry, like we've had the past couple of years during the summers, um, where things are slow and people are sitting there fiddling around and, well, you know, what do you do? What do you do when the bread and butter is not selling? You got to try to make something a little more flavorful. So yeah. you've seen a lot of that stuff pop up in some of the magnums and short magnum calibers. And uh, I, I think that trend will continue. I, I think after this election, when things calm down a little bit um, next spring and summer, you're going to start to see some more innovative stuff coming out from from guys that are just too busy to do it right now. Well, so our next piece of feedback is from Keith S. And he he really goes into a great uh, length to describe a contest where we, the hosts, are given a budget and we build a rifle and we basically compete on that basis. Um, but I'm curious to hear from you guys, what is a price point where you think you can really come through and build a complete DIY rifle and have it be you know, perfectly adequate for what an AR-15 can do. So we're not talking about specialty components. We're not talking about high-end stuff. But I mean, right now you're 350 to 450 retail. If you're talking about whacking a gong at 200, 300 yards, uh, you know, pie plate, whatever, getting the job done at 350 to 450. Wow. It'll 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 hit the gong just as loud as the two thousand dollar rifles. And Robert, would you concur? Or are you seeing stuff at that kind of? Yeah, I mean, if if you were to piece one together with some good guy prices, you can get them down that cheap. Um, the, the problem is when you become a manufacturer, you have you have dealer margin built into it. You have eleven percent to the man for the manufacturer's tax. So right. um, if you don't have to do that stuff, you don't have to have margin. Yeah, you could totally build a tack driver for that price. It's it's usable. Whether you do it for polymer for a little bit more, you could get into you know a forge lower or whatnot, but. Um, like I said, like you said, a base barrel will do the job at 300 yards. When you want to reach out, that's when you're going to want something a little bit better. Yeah, that's what people kind of got to remember. And I, that's why I'm always, and I've always said it, and I've said it to you guys a bunch. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of selling components and not complete rifles. Um, people don't understand what, what goes into it, but you look at some of the dumb stuff like, oh, I don't need the magazine that comes with it. Well, that's fine, but the magazine cost me between eight and twelve dollars and that has to go in there somewhere. Right. The case the case costs something. The packaging costs something. Um one of the, one of the biggest things is is Robert mentioned is the fat. So you're at eleven percent right off the bat, no matter what I, you know, eleven percent over you could buy all the components from me and no matter what I have to charge you eleven percent more if I built it into a rifle for you. So right there you're gonna lose another eleven percent. It's just it, and it adds up pretty quick when you're doing a four, five, six, seven, eight hundred dollar build. 
So that's why I, I always encourage people to to do their own builds or, or at least source all the components and bring them to your local gunsmith or, or shop to build out for you. Well, so not to really kind of narrow in on the 800-pound gorilla, but we are in a run-up to an election. It's a chaotic time out there. At $400 to $500, which I think is a pretty reasonable price considering that people will buy Glocks all day long at that price, you know, compared to my high quality German manufactured SIGs, but, you know, a German designed New Hampshire, what is it? Exeter, New Hampshire manufactured. But, you know, that is not an intimidating price point. Are we at a point where you think it's wise for someone sitting on the fence to decide it's time to step in and get something done? Are we going to get to a crazy point whenever that I, might happen where all of a sudden we're all behind the eight ball and it just isn't going to be, we're not going to be capable of catching up? I do. I don't, I don't encourage panic buying at all. So I would definitely tell people I'd rather see you come in this summer. The prices are the lowest they've been in a long time on uh, tons of parts and accessories and, and different components. Um, if you're waiting and, and you're finally freak out enough to buy one in the middle of this panic come this fall and winter and maybe spring, um, then you do that to yourself and, and you're the one that's causing those prices for everybody. Um, and, and it's, it's bad. I, I, I'm an advocate of planning for sure. Um, if you want something, then piece it together a little at a time by priority. We all know what's going to go first. If, and like I say, I don't think, I don't think it could happen, but I, after we talked earlier a little bit about politics, I don't understand why half the stuff that does happen happens. So um, I, I suggest go buy, do a JD and go buy some strip lowers. Um, and then you're yours. They're not coming to take them. Um, some. Uh, some. Some. A few. <laughs> a few. But, uh, yeah, I mean, go do that. I, there's stuff out there retail right now for 45 bucks up to 120 bucks for Really nice quality stuff. So, I mean, go tuck one of those aside. After that, piecing the rest of the components together won't be a big deal. Um, there'll be a time where, like I said, I, we had a little mini panic uh, after that California shooting in, I don't know if it was November, like right after, I, I don't remember what, exactly what it was, but um, just that put a pretty good pretty good lock on everything. And I, and I think the market's very flooded right now. Right. And uh, it still locked it up within about two weeks. Um, guys like Anderson who are pumping out by the tens of thousands and, and they dried up on lowers and uppers. Um, there was a crunch for uppers for a while. You'll see it again with BCGs, LPKs, stupid stuff. And, and, uh, it, it just happens, but it's, it's all consumer driven. So, um, like I said, all day, and I'll tell you honestly, as, a, and I'm in business, this is how I feed the family. I rather have slow and steady sales across the board for years and years and years than have these, these ups and downs where we're doing, million dollar weeks and and whatever and then go dry all summer so yeah yeah i tell people to plan out plan out their purchases so in terms of what it is to run your businesses having seen the the feast or famine kind of uh waves come along has the industry in terms of where you sit matured to the point where people understand i think in a more real way that you have to have, you know, your materials lined up, you have to have your supply chains really established well, you have to have very functional systems in place to make sure that 
you're not bottlenecked because that one roll pin, you know, just evaporates from the market and now you can't assemble anything. I mean, have you, have you gotten to the point where you feel that some of those hurdles have been crossed or are there still places where you know that the minute that it hits, by golly, it's going to be that darn part that's going to cause all the lockup. You'll, you're still going to see some that's of that. That's what we have, Uncle Dave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're still going to see a lot of that. We're, we're doing some stuff now. We're basically ordering twice as much as what we're selling for a lot of key components. Um, we're lucky that we can do that. I, I think, I think the industry was weeded out a little bit over the past couple of years during some of those famine times. And, uh, I think there's still a few companies that are honestly like hanging by a thread, just hoping for big hit this year. Um, but you can only ride those waves so long. Uh, you have to make some smart decisions if you want to really, uh, uh, do well over those slow times too. And, uh, I, I think the people that are still around, I think they've learned some lessons. If they, if they've been in the business the past five, five or six years, they've gone through this three or four times. The same cycle over and over and, and you learn a little bit new lesson every time. Um, like I said, there's some machinery that I'm dying to pull the trigger on and, uh, some material I'm dying to order. You know, we're, a lot of our aluminum is, uh, the way we get some of our aluminum is 12, 14 weeks out sometimes. So, uh, there's a sticky note right here on my desk, order material. So I, 12 weeks out is going to put us right at the end of the summer. So it's, it's now that we have to start making decisions for, for the fall, uh, whether it's equipment, material, where to, where to allocate time and machinery. And a lot of people don't agree with our decisions at times and what we're, what we're putting out when we need to, but there's a master plan in all of it. And, and hopefully we can get through everything pretty smooth. So, um, I just want to throw this out here and I want, I want each of you, including you, JD, cause you never say enough, you know, in terms of the guy sitting on the fence. <clears throat> Who wants to buy into the, the hobby, an AR-15, whether it's a DIY or whether it's an off the shelf, what's your counsel to him? Today, right at the beginning of, of the, uh, the summer, um, all the things that we have here, what, what's your word of wisdom to that guy sitting on the fence right now? I'd say do it yourself. You know, buy the components that you'd want yourself, do your research on it. And for your first one, I'd say stick to a pretty basic build. Um, you can always improvise. You can always get, you know, innovative in the future. But once you have that basic build under your belt, uh, you have more confidence to move in to do other things or it'll give you ideas on what you want to do to, to move forward. Um, I bought my first rifle off the shelf, um, from David. Uh, it was a Daniel Defense. And it is one of my favorites, but uh, if I go back and do it all over again, I'd probably start building first, and that may clear the lower backup I have in my safe. <laughs> Robert, what are yeah. your thoughts? No, I, to- I totally agree. You know, when when we my first AR we did when my wife and I got uh, married, we didn't go on a honeymoon. We bought an AR-15 parts and started assembling an AR. Is that works. So uh, I've always been a builder from the get go. Uh, whether it was just pinning the upper on it or, or putting the fire control group in it and build it from the base up. So I have guys that come to me with their lunch money every week and, and buy this part or that part. And within, you know, five or six months, they finally can complete it. And I help them mine the gas system up. And it's pretty rewarding to see them come back in after they shot it and be really excited about it and ready to build the next one. Um, so, yeah, my advice is either do your homework, you know, chip away at the pieces 
or find a good reputable local company and support them by buying one of their base production models because there's no reason to go buy a $2,000 AR for your first one. There's going to be things you like and not like. So start cheap and look at options and what's available to, to customize it or build something better for your second build. David? I concur 100%. Um, there's a reason we don't sell complete rifles. Um, anybody can do it. So I don't know why I should do it and have to charge you 11% more and 11% more that the government gets to mismanage for you. That's, that's not right in my eyes. So I'm a, I'm a fan of, uh, do it yourself. Uh, and like I say, I, if, 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 if anything crazy does happen and we start seeing some, you know, bands, assault rifle bands or whatever they want to call it, um, I, right now, buy your lower. If you're, if you're on the fence, you can always sell it later. You might be able to sell it for 10 times what you bought it for in a couple months or, Worst case, it's worth what you bought it for now. Um, buy the lower at least, and, and like Robert said, come, pe- come piece the piece the gun together a little at a time as you can afford it, or just hold off until you really know you're ready and buy everything at once later on. Um, you can definitely come back to you know any shop with a gunsmith, and they can help you assemble it. There's tons of help on the internet, tons of great YouTube videos. Um, I, I don't think there's a reason. Uh, I always go back to the same thing. It's it's a bunch of metal thrown together. If you're gonna spend money. Spend it on a barrel, spend it on a, a nice fire control group. Um, that's what's going to make you shoot better. Uh, the rest of the stuff, you can do the torture tests and you can watch guys throw it in mud. Who okay, You can throw anything in mud and it'll still shoot. Um, <laughs> I, have, I have $150 guns that that's what they're made. You know, that's the only reason I have them is they go sit in mud or bounce around in the back of a truck or whatever. And they, they've shot and they're from made in the sixties and they still shoot. So there's not. There's not much impressive about it. Like I say, spend, spend the money where it counts. But I, I think guys can, like you said, they may not drive tax at 300 yards. But if you're out to hit a gong at 300 yards, you can do that with a $400, $500 budget max. That's going a little crazy. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and offer this. You know, I started doing this podcast back in the, the beginning with Jake because I wanted to share what I – had to go through to figure out how to build one of these. And uh, we've been able to build something substantial. But the thing that always occurs to me is that everybody keeps waiting for that magical moment to tip them over the edge on the scale of whether they will or they won't. And you know what? There's no time like the present. When it comes down to it, if you get in, the whole idea of dollar cost averaging is going to get you into a hobby as well as anything else but i guarantee you uh you follow the panic buy route and you will spend four or five times what the rifle ought to cost when it comes time for you to do it so i don't know if you can see that reed i don't wait for this to happen (laughs) (laughs) that was my store the morning after the newtown shooting we had a security guard at the door letting a certain number of people in and out there was Mm. uh there's a line wrapped around the building wow. for three or four days afterwards. That seemed to be most people's tipping point. So don't don't wait till then. No, get in, get off the fence. If you're going to do it, just suck it up and go do it. It's fun. Well, guys, we want to thank you again. You've done a great deal for us. We really appreciate you both. Uh, you've been very generous, overly generous to our listeners. And for that, we thank you. And, um, I'm going to say thank you to our listeners because, you know, they don't always pitch in and say thank you all the time. They're kind of like my five-year-old. We have to remind them sometimes. It's our pleasure to help out. Glad to do it. 
Um, yeah, so totally a fun project. Absolutely. Hey, Reed, before we close, let's uh, check in with Robert and David and things they got going on in their shops. Sure, Robert, sure. what do you got um, going on at RTT right now? Man, we're just uh, doing a lot of Cerakote work. We do, you know, our own stuff. We do a lot of other companies' stuff. Um, the you know, certified applicator Cerakote kind of sends other manufacturers your way. So between the, uh, the sandblasters, you know, running like today, I think we build like 16 hours in sandblasting, just prepping parts. And I literally walk in the booth and spray and then, I uh, go back to my my office and do sales, but between that and now we're doing a lot more manufacturing and trying to get up to speed with uh, making some of our own stuff in house, kind of controlling more of the parts thing. Like like Dave says, you know, we we get these scares and parts aren't available, so we're trying to control it, be able to do stuff for a little bit cheaper with better quality than what we can normally buy from other manufacturers. So um, that's been going good for us. We have a, a shop here in Lake Havasu, and we have a, a retail up in Utah that we do have a house up there. So. Um, between both stores, we keep fairly busy for a small guy and uh, a small company. But man, we're uh, we're doing good. We're grateful for the work we have. Uh, we hooked up with Dave a few years back, and he's been instrumental to help us grow. So we appreciate everything he's done for us and, and uh, get us to this next level. We got some big things coming in the future, and um, we're just going to keep shipping away at, and uh, making ourselves a big name in the industry. Well, you know what they say, Robert. You have to eat that elephant just one bite at a time, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that's 100%. It, it's not easy, man. It's a lot of hours we work, and we have a good crew that work for us, and I give a shout-out to them for all they do for us and training them up and, and getting them to the to the level. Um, I used to I mean, I used to do all my own builds. Um, now I have um, my guy Josh that does it. Uh, my dad actually works for me. He's my machinist. He runs all our equipment and, and keeps the uh, the manufacturing running. we got a couple other guys that help out, um, sales up front, John, and and a uh, little Mikey in the back sandblasting and my wife, she's been uh, instrumental in, in contacting Dave and harassing them late at night and saying where are some parts and uh, being in contact to go on sales. So no, it's been good. It's been uh, a huge growth in the last maybe eight months and we're looking to uh, be on uh, Shot Next up on the uh, top floor with some of the other guys next year showing what we can do. Outstanding. Nice. David, uh, what's going on at New Frontier Armory and how can we drive uh, Ivan nuts? <laughs> Same stuff. Uh, we're, we're rotating some new products into the retail store. We're kind of excited about um, getting our forge line back on. Um, that AR-10 line going to probably start hitting here in about a week and a half anodized. Um, waiting on some stuff to come back now just to Robert's frustrated because we haven't got him parts yet, but we're, <laughs> is there, uh, a, li- is there a list for that, David? It, <laughs> uh, for the dealers, there is, and it's, it's uh, deep. It's deep. <laughs> but yeah, we can get you guys squared away. That's easy. Um, no, once they're flowing, they're flowing really well. We're just taking taking our time. It's a tricky platform. Um, there's a lot of non-standardized stuff on the market, uh, parts-wise, and, it, and it's split between two different spec platforms to four or five now. And there's whose rail matches up with this, who's you know, and, and there's just so much to it. So. We wanted to really take our time and make some smart decisions on whose side of the fence we're going to sit on with compatibility and that type of stuff. So um, that'll be coming out really soon. And then, like I said, we're we're working hard to plan for the fall to hope to do some in, un, in uninterrupted service for the rest of the year. Um, we have a ton of new machinery coming in. I actually, I got to hit the road soon. So I'll be back down at the shop about 530 tomorrow morning. we got some machines to unload. Um as soon as we get our power upgrade, we have four or five more CNCs going in after that. So it's it's busy, constant growth, and and just uh, trying to keep up. Wow, sounds fabulous! It sounds like you guys have some really exciting things going on. 
Well, JD, I think we're going to let you uh, close this out tonight. All right, sounds good. That wraps up episode 170 of the New Frontier Armory giveaway, the 9mm carbine. Uh, Ryan Hamilton from uh, Kent, Ohio. Uh, when you hear this on the podcast, you will have 72 hours from when it is published uh, to get in contact with us. Uh, you can do that by sending us an email at ar15.podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also subscribe and listen to the AR15 podcast for free on iTunes. Uh, share your pictures with us on Instagram at AR15podcast. Use the same hashtag. Uh, you can also check in with us over at Facebook, facebook.com backslash AR15podcast. Uh, check out the other great podcast on the Firearms Radio Network. Don't forget to use the Amazon and Brownells affiliate links uh, there on the page at firearmsradio.tv. Well, gentlemen, thank you again. We appreciate you both. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for uh, uh, helping us uh, do another good show. And uh, we will definitely have you both back on because uh, we're excited about what's coming through your shops and uh, we want to talk about it some more. And for the rest of you listeners, we will be back soon with more exciting news, more exciting things. You know, now that uh, JD has decided he is going to devote his time and energy to making this show better than I could have ever dreamed, uh, we're going to let him do it. So uh, <laughs> we'll see you all next week. Everybody have a good night. Thank you, Thank you guys. Thank you, guys. you're thinking. You're thinking, did he fire six shots or only five? Now, to tell you the truth, I kind of forgot in all this excitement. But being this is the Guns of Hollywood podcast on the most popular pro-gun podcast network in the world and will blow your eardrums clean out, you've got to ask yourself a question. Have you subscribed yet? Well, have you, punk? Gunsofhollywood.com or search Guns of Hollywood on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher app. Punk. This has been a production of the Firearms Radio Network. You can find more information at firearmsradio.tv.